back into Ecclesiastes as we continue our look at this theme of living a meaningful life. Uh, I had the opportunity the other day to speak in chapel at Calvary Baptist um, Calvary Baptist Academy in uh, Midland, and uh, I told the uh, students there, um, I spoke on Ecclesiastes, and I said, right now, Ecclesiastes, I think, is my favorite book of the Bible, but that kind of happens every time I change to a new study or, or book of the Bible. So right now, that's what Ecclesiastes is. I had this com- it's funny, I had this conversation with my sister the other day, um, and I said, you know, we're doing Ecclesiastes. She goes, that's my favorite book of the Bible. And I said, well, that's pretty cool, you know. Um, but I hope that this has uh, been profitable and helpful for you. I just, I'm constantly confronted every week with, the, uh, with, with what Solomon says here and how we are to value the things of this world uh, or really not value them or not seek wisdom, not seek value and meaning in those things unless we have them prioritized rightly in our hearts and our lives. And tonight, we're going to look at something that on the surface, I think you can look at and say, well, you're going to have to qualify that statement because the scriptures talk about this. And they do, and we're going to talk about that tonight. But we're going to look at tonight what we call the futility of wise living. And so again, on the surface, it's like, well, doesn't the scripture tell us to be wise? It does. And we're going to look at several scriptures tonight. But Solomon is taking a a very, again, a very specific approach here, uh, wise living under the sun, right? These places in this world and this world alone. If we live this life uh, in our own wisdom and our own uh, trying to get everything out of it, is that going to make life worth it? Or is it going to once again be vanity to be hevel? In our lives, it's in Ecclesiastes chapter two, verses twelve through seventeen, where we find our text tonight. And we read there. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen, also, will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said to my, in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten how the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life. Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. Every day that we go through is loaded with decisions. Some decisions are inconsequential. You'll believe it or not, the outfit that you picked out to wear to church today is not the biggest choice that you're going to have to make today. I know it may have felt like that first thing this morning, but it isn't. Other decisions we make in our lives have lasting ramifications for our days, but then also some of these choices we make have in these larger moments, they can affect uh, affect our entire weeks or months or years, or they can affect our entire lives based on the decisions we make in that moment. And so one of the things that we talk about in the scriptures and we talk about in life is that if you're going to make choices and do well in life, uh, make choices that help you do well in life, you need wisdom. Wisdom is important in those things. Wisdom is something Solomon is intimately familiar with in his life. If you'll remember, like we talked about in the opening of, of Ecclesiastes, 
That was the gift that Solomon asked for God to give him, wisdom to rule the kingdom well and to go through his life. And so as Solomon continues to instruct us in the things he has tried in order to find meaning in this life, he now turns to the outlook of life from the perspective of the wise and the fool. Can, the question is, can living wisely offer you something to hold on to, or does it also vanish from your grasp? Because that's what he's been trying to find. How do we keep this from, from, being, uh, from being hevel, from, from just wrapping our arms around it, and it's gone? So can living in a wise way, can making wise choices in this earth, can that give you some type of meaning? And what you see in these verses is that wise living offers no lasting satisfaction apart from applying that wisdom to the things of God. And once again, how you frame this is important. You're going to see that Solomon doesn't tell you not to live wisely. You're going to see that Solomon doesn't say that, that living wisely has benefits and, and has its rewards. I mean, some people have taken this, this phrase from the script. You know, they've looked at different scriptures and said, and they say something like, wisdom is its own reward, right? You ever heard that before? Um, and... and and that doesn't, that's not really a Bible verse. I guess the principles you can derive from Scripture. And Solomon's going to say, look, you, know, you look at life, and you look at the decisions people make. If they make wise decisions, this is how they live life. If they make foolish decisions, this is what they experience and how they live their lives. But he's going to drive to this point at the end that, that, that if it's just wisdom for wisdom's sake, if it's just trying to make good decisions, if it's just, well, we're trying to make something out of this life under the sun without an eternal perspective, again, if you don't apply that wisdom in the ways of God and seek God's wisdom and, and, and serve him with it, then there's, it's meaningless, it's, it's hevel, it's as he says, a striving after the wind. So let's, that's the broad overview. Let's kind of break down then how does he get to this and, and where do we find hope in these things. Well, in verses 12 through 14, Solomon tells us there's two paths here. There's the path of wisdom and the path of folly. And in verse 12, there's a quest of wisdom that Solomon undertakes as the wisest man who's ever lived. He says, so I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Solomon has laid out for us the quest that he and, and many others have tried and undertaken in search of meaning in this life. He has painted the path of futility throughout these first couple of chapters. Very broadly, in chapter 1, in that opening poem, he says this temporal life is full of futility. It's, it's full of hevel. It's just meaningless. It's over and over again. The circle of life rolls on, and man's fruitless efforts are pictured in nature's endless cycle, and mankind is never satisfied. His ways are forgotten. Then he goes on to say, and the wisdom that man has, he, he can't make sense of the life that we have here because no matter how hard we try, we're not going to be able to connect all the dots in our limited scope and scope of the world. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, we looked at last time, Solomon says, pleasure doesn't bring you satisfaction and answers either. You can give yourself to every pursuit that you can imagine, but it won't give you meaning at the end of the day. You, you might find happiness in the moment, but that fleeting feeling will be gone once your pursuit has ended, leaving you feeling dissatisfied once again. So now, Solomon seeks meaning in another pursuit. He, the king, he says, is, is unsurpassed. He says, for what can a man do who comes after the king? 
You know, you look at Solomon and his life, his experiments with pleasure and, and, and wisdom and applying his mind to these things can at best be duplicated by someone else, but, but he's saying, in a way, listen, it doesn't matter what you try, you're never going to be able to top what I've tried. He himself is a king, following his father David, who did great and mighty things as a king. And another way of maybe even understanding this phrase is that, that maybe Solomon's even thinking all the way back to the beginning of time and, and saying that we have little chance of ever behaving in greater wisdom than even Adam, our first ancestor, has. And, and the idea is this, if Solomon and others can't find the answers, no one else can. This is, this is in verse 12 here, is a testimony of the teacher. He is uniquely qualified to teach this class. You know, it's kind of like signing up for a grad class or maybe a conference with a renowned speaker in whatever field it is that you want to learn more about. And you go into this conference and you expect and hope to learn something from someone so advanced in their industry because of who they are. Solomon is the richest man in his time, in his land. He's the wisest man who's ever lived. And he has something to teach us. And in a way, what he's saying in verse 12, at the end of verse 12, is a warning. You see, we have a bad habit as recommitting the same sins and the same errors as the previous generations, don't we? I mean, it's just like, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about in our world. Okay, it's really easy to be like, yep, your generation makes the same mistakes as our generation. No, 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 just think about your own personal life. I mean, how many things have you done and you told somebody about it, like your parents or your grandparents or somebody, and they're like, oh yeah, I've, I've tried that before. I could have told you that's how that was going to go, right? But we just continue to do the same things time after time after time. And then when we do them, we have this insatiable desire, so to, so to speak, to make these same mistakes, and we make those mistakes, then all of a sudden we find ourselves echoing the words that people may have said to us. We come alongside somebody else, we talk to our kids, we talk to maybe a, a younger coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a, another relative, and we say, listen, I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. You ever said that before? You know, it's like we've, we've heard this before, somebody tried to tell us that, but we didn't listen. You know, the question is, how many times do those words fall on deaf ears? You know, whether willingly or unwillingly, we tend to forget the warnings we've heard, or we marginalize those things that have been said, and we, we convince ourselves, well, it'll be different for me. Now, truthfully, I suppose that when it comes to human wisdom, sometimes the warnings we get from other people are flawed. In fact, someone may well-meaningly give you advice, hey, I don't want you to make the same mistakes I do, and they go ahead and tell you the mistakes they made, and you sit there and you think, well, you're dead wrong because you didn't go about it the right way, or you didn't, and, and, and just because we are humanly, we're flawed as humans, sometimes when someone tries to give you warning and says, don't do it this way, you go out and do it kind of that way anyway, you make a little bit of tweak, or uh, the basic premise you know, might be the same, or the action might be the same, or maybe, you know, quite simply, sometimes someone will tell you something, hey, I tried that, and I couldn't do it, and quite frankly, they just weren't talented enough or didn't have the right skill set to make that happen, right? But there's no such human error here. There's no such parameters that you'll find in this, in this statement that Solomon is making. Because Solomon is writing that which was inspired and preserved by God for us to read today. So as such, you cannot marginalize what Solomon says here as someone else's opinion. 
He says, look, I've tried it. I've lived through these experiences. God has granted me unique insight. And God's inspired him to write these things for us to read today. So here's the thing. Mark it down. So Solomon is turning his eyes and his sights on yet another quest as he considers the outlooks of his life. He says, I want to consider wisdom and madness and folly. One, one, he wants to look at one who seeks to live life in a wise manner and one who gives no thought to living wisely but rages in his, in his madness and in his foolishness. So can, can living a wise life or in a wise way lead one to a meaningful life on its own? And so now Solomon presents us with the paths. There's, there's opposing paths that diverge here in this statement. We see this in verses 13 and 14. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, and there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness, and yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. So Solomon is the unparalleled expert on wisdom. As we said, God gave him this wisdom in his reign over Israel. He exercised that wisdom, using it to magnify his kingdom and the nation. The literature of scripture that Solomon authored is full of this wisdom, most notably seen in the book of Proverbs. And so, what is wisdom? Well, simply stated, wisdom is applied knowledge. It's not only acquiring what you need to know, it's then doing something with what you know, right? Because you can stuff your head full of knowledge and not have an ounce of wisdom, right? There are guys out there and, and uh, there are people out there with more degrees than a thermometer, but they have no wisdom, right? They don't know how to take it and do it. They're, they're brilliant, they're bright, but, but how do they get it into practice? And so Solomon is talking here about how do we apply that knowledge in our lives. And in Solomon's writing in Proverbs, it is nearly impossible to divorce a relationship with God from wisdom. That's the perspective there. A wise person, he says, there is, is one who learns about God and applies that knowledge to his everyday life, living in the fear of the Lord. But at the same time, outside of a spiritual walk, wisdom has some very practical applications. And here, Solomon has in view living wise, not necessarily speaking of living for the Lord here. Because, again, what's that phrase that, that tempers this? Life under the sun. So he's, that's, he's setting the, the premise here. So, can one find meaning in life by making wise decisions throughout their entire life? Well, clearly, living wisely is much different than living foolishly. Solomon says here that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. This is, um, that word gain comes up several times throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a, it's a word only used, a Hebrew word only used in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it means profitable uh, or uh, um, excellent, right? And so is, is there a word, is there profit or is, are you going to be excelling if you live in a wise way? And Solomon says that one who makes wise choices will live a more profitable life than one who makes foolish choices. And you go, well, that seems like common sense. It might seem like common sense, but a lot of people don't seem to understand the concept, right? That to make wise choices sets you up for uh, better things in life. And here I want to turn to the book of Proverbs 
and just kind of run through a bunch of things that Solomon said. I'm going to put a bunch of verses up on the screen. If you're like trying to furiously take notes, I'm going to apologize in advance, okay? I'll be happy to send you this list later. But we read in Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 3.35, the wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. And notice, many of these are going to show a contrast in living a wise life and living a foolish life. Proverbs 10.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Proverbs 10.8, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Proverbs 10.14, the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Proverbs 10.23, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Proverbs 11.29, whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and a fool will be the servant of the wise of heart. Proverbs 12, 15, the the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 14, 3, by the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Proverbs 14, 16, one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but the fool is reckless and careless. Proverbs 14, 24, the crown of the wise is their wealth. But the folly of fools brings folly. And and I have just given, I wanted to give us tonight just a sampling of what the book of Proverbs teaches about the wise and the fool. And I know that was like rapid fire, but did you get the idea? Did you get the picture? Living wisely has, has benefits, right? And again, just think about Solomon's perspective here. And you can study the book of Proverbs, and if you will study the book of Proverbs and and pay attention, you'll get a full picture of one who is wise and one who is foolish. But one who is wise and makes wise decisions will have the opportunity, so to speak, to, to enjoy the good things that this life has to offer. But the fool who rejects wisdom will have no such opportunities in his life. And Solomon sums this up in a nice, neat little picture. He kind of restates it a couple of times here. He says, as there is more gain in light than in darkness, the wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Going through life, making wise decisions, Solomon says, is like, is like walking and working in the light, while making foolish decisions is likened to living in the dark. Now, I want you to think back contextually. In Solomon's day, this is a big deal. You know, if you drove through tonight when you go home, it'll be getting dark, and you go home, the lights will start to come on around Beaverton and, and maybe around your, your, maybe you at your house have a light on outside. But in Solomon's day, there are no street lights. There's no ambient light. When it got dark, it was dark. And people didn't go out at night and do things. People didn't make it a habit to go and and carry out uh, after-hours projects. There was no business to be conducted, at least nothing of real value, at night. Instead, the fool is left to bumble and fumble his way around in the dark. And the idea is if he hopes to mysteriously and miraculously stumble onto some profit, some gain in his life... He's going to be gravely mistaken and severely disappointed. The wise person instead, Solomon says, can see 
where he is going. His eyes are in his head, while the fool blindly plows ahead in the dark. And there's some practical advice here, is there not? I mean, a li- the life of a wise person is the life we should seek. Right? I mean, that's, that's, I don't know about you, but just from a purely human standpoint, that's like, oh, that, that makes sense, right? A follower of God should seek to make wise, practical decisions. And again, we, we could go down and make a lot of application there, but I want to stay on, on the trail that Solomon's on, the life under the sun. And it's, a, it's an indisputable thing that, that making wise decisions is indeed profitable. I mean, wisdom allows you to avoid pitfalls and hardships in life because wisdom requires you, what, to stand back, to assess the situation, to weigh out the possibilities and the outcomes. But, Solomon says, making wise decisions isn't all there is to life. There's a lot of benefit to making wise decisions, but Solomon says that's, that's not it. At the end of the day, will living wisely bring you meaning under the sun? Well, Solomon begins to move us towards that conclusion, even as he wraps up here in verse 14. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. Wiser fool, there's a, same, there's a shared experience here. You can spend your whole life making all the right decisions and going through all the right procedures to get to those decisions, but the end is still the same. And what is the end that Solomon is driving towards? The end is death, is what he's driving towards. And so Solomon now elaborates on the shared experiences of such drastically different lifestyles. You see, we see here in the rest of our passage tonight the end of wisdom and folly. And in verses 15 and 16, there's an imperceivable difference here, Solomon says. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For if the, of the wise and of, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten, how the wise dies just like the fool. So Solomon has shown that to live wisely in this life, if you will do that, you will gain greater opportunities. Instead of darkness, you will walk in light. You will have eyes to see the road ahead and clarity in the decision-making processes. You will be able to do more than those who live foolishly. However, Solomon shows us here there are certain things in this life that are out of our control. And Solomon has now lived this experience. He, he sought to apply wisdom in his life to his choices. He purposely looked for ways to make the best decisions to, in, in order to enjoy the best things. And now that he's lived his life, at least for whatever time period this was, and, and experimented with this, he, he's come to the end to, to this conclusion. And it's almost like, it's almost like this, the grass was greener scenario. That you don't understand it until you've kind of come to the end. Like, like he looks over there and says, okay, making wise decisions, that seems like a good thing to do. It seems like a profitable thing. It seems like it's going to give me meaning, so I'm going to do that. And he makes these decisions, and he's waiting for, the, you know, for this to happen and waiting for him to find meaning and, and keeps doing it and, and, and obviously enjoys some things from that. But at the end, the answer disappoints. At the end of your life, The same end comes for the wise as it does for the fool. And that end is death on this earth. Sure, 
making wise choices might lead you to nicer and greater experiences along the way. But wise choices cannot from an aging body that will one day give out. And you, living wisely, will be ushered into eternity just like the fool. And no wise decision that you make can alter the fact that one day you will die. This is something that's ultimately out of our control. In fact, it made Solomon question his choice to live wisely in life. I mean, did you see that? He said, here he said in verse 15, Why then have I been so very wise? If his end could not be altered, what was it a waste? Because being wise means what? It means saying no to impulsive, wasteful choices. It might mean denying something that you really want in the moment. Being wise means you have to think ahead. You have to work hard. You have to apply yourself all throughout life. And though your decision stacking will lead you to greater heights than the fool, if this life is all that there is, you're going to come to the end and be disappointed. The fool and the wise in their ends are equals. And so Solomon, once again, says at the end of verse 15, it's hevel, it's vanity, it's empty, it's meaningless. Living wisely seemed like it would give him something in life to hold on to, but it slips away yet again. And many have come to realize this over the years. Maybe you've seen this happen where, where it's, it's almost shocking that someone who has lived a wise or what we may call a, even a clean lifestyle like has this epiphany one day that doesn't really matter and they go the complete opposite direction. And maybe you've seen that. Maybe you grew up with somebody like that. Their family was this way and that and, and they, they just couldn't wait to get out of the home and they went completely opposite direction. That's, but why is that? Well, that's because they're frustrated with life, realizing that, that things aren't going to end any differently if that's all there is. And so in verse 16, we're reminded then of a people's tendency to forget. He says, there is no enduring remembrance of either the wise or the fool. In the days to come, all will, be have long, will, be, will have been long forgotten. The fool and the wise not only both die, he says, but they die again. There's this idea they die in obscurity. There's no lasting remembrance of either of these. They die, they pass from the scene, and life spins on. It just continues. The days that come after their deaths will, will eventually bury their memories and accomplishments as well. People will make the same decisions, the same mistakes, accomplish the same things. And so in the end, the wise and the fool die alike. Now the wise might have more money, more friends, more opportunities, but he will be put into the ground just like the fool. And his time on earth was short. His impact was, was negligible, Solomon says. The idea is here, you only get one shot, and then you pass on. So Solomon applied all that he had been given, and he found his end was destined to be the same as the one who didn't apply himself. He said, look, I, God gave me this wisdom, and I did all these great things trying to find meaning, just some kind of meaning in this life by itself. And now, come to find out, if I live the way that, that seems right, it's all the same. So where would that lead you? Well, I think verse 17 is kind of like the natural conclusion. I mean, we we can kind of resonate with this if we understand where Solomon is coming from. We see the disheartening conclusion now in verse 17. So I hated life 
Because what was done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving, and a striving after whim. Solomon evaluated these things, and he came to this conclusion. I hate life. But I want to be clear. This is not a I hate my life and I want to end it situation, okay? That's not what Solomon is talking about here. It's not a, a threat or, or a suicidal mentality. Because Solomon doesn't, doesn't like what he's finding out about life, but, but also Solomon doesn't really want to die because it's meaningless, right? It's the same end. But try as he might, he, he can't squeeze any meaning out of life. He's tried to make every right decision. He, he tried not giving in to the, whiz, the whims of one consumed with pleasure. He tried making sure he set himself up to accomplish great things, but it led him to realize that this, in the end, it didn't matter. He would die, he would be forgotten, and he couldn't take anything of it, any, any of it with him. And so he hates life. You know, life often doesn't go the way we think it will go. Have you ever found that to be true? We attempt to wrest control of our lives, and we are left disappointed, disheartened, disenfranchised, and disenchanted. Because here we are trying to control something, and it's gone. We are brought face to face with our mortality. We make all the wise choices set before us, yet we can't account for the repair bills, the medical expenses, the replacement costs, and more. And, And even if we could account for all of that, We can't even prevent or plan our own death day. We could live a long, fruitful life. Or we can get in a car and we can drive home tonight and we can die in a car accident. We might die surrounded by our friends and family. Or we may die alone, having outlived everyone we know and love. But no matter how you die, The end is the same. You enter your own eternity alone because no one gets from this life walks you to the next. And these realizations can leave you, like Solomon, feeling very troubled about life. It doesn't seem right that you can make all the right choices yet have no say in your end. But this is how life works because try as might, we are not independent beings. We like to think we are. But what Solomon is is continuing to show us is, listen, there is so much outside of your control. There is so much that you can't have a say in because you're not sovereign. God is. And by presenting this reality check, he continues to push us to this end uh, of what he says at the end of Ecclesiastes of who we're to serve and what we're to do. But if this life is all you know or believe, or or live, then this is the conclusion you easily come to, that everything here under the sun, Solomon says, is grievous. The idea behind that word is bad and evil, that something that gives pain, unhappiness, and misery. It's once again hevel. It's striving after wind. It's an empty pursuit. It's a life full of futility. And even making all the right choices won't keep you from this. So once again, something you find on earth doesn't satisfy. Even walking through life, making careful, wise choices so that you can experience the best life has to offers, life has to offer you will leave you feeling empty. 
Wise living offers no lasting satisfaction apart from applying that wisdom to the things of God. So how do we sum all of this up here tonight? I mean, how do we drive this to a point you're like, man, that was, woohoo, so encouraging, right? Okay, let's just talk for a second before we close. Living a wise life is not a bad thing. In fact, living a wise life, Solomon makes the, 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 the case, it's a very good thing. And in fact, he makes it clear that there are things that, that are to be enjoyed in this life that you can only enjoy if you will live a wise, in a wise way. Again, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, is chock full of admonitions and arguments to live wisely. But the, the principal matter, though, is what will you use that wisdom to do? If you're using your wisdom, if you're following your own wisdom to live a life for yourself and your own enjoyment, then you're going to be severely disappointed. Instead, we are called throughout the scriptures to a different type of wisdom, a wisdom that fears the Lord, a wisdom that sees life as God sees it, that that uses the word of God to guide us in life. And you know where that begins? That begins with a relationship with God. That begins with with knowing that Jesus is who he says he is, and he's done what he said he has done, and, 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 and then doing something with that. Applying that, wisdom says we believe, we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And it continues in our lives then as we walk with God each day, spending time with him in his word. And asking him to use that word in us to make us wiser in the things of him. Wisdom is applied knowledge. And the greatest knowledge that we can apply to our lives is the knowledge of God and his word. So Solomon, again, is not saying here, don't go after wisdom. Don't live in a wise way. He's framing in again, what kind of wisdom do we live by? Do we live by our own wisdom for our own pursuits, or do we live by God's wisdom for the glory of God? Listen, at the end of the day, if the Lord does not return for his own, we cannot escape death. No matter how much wisdom we put into the decisions of this life. But we can make the wisest decision of all. Trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior and then living for his glory in his strength. This pursuit and this eternal security bring eternal meaning to the things we do in this life and decisions we make. So let us not live life in our own wisdom. But live it in God's wisdom and you will find great fulfillment in him. I'll I'll reference you to one verse as we close. One that you are probably very familiar with, Proverbs chapter 3. This is one of my mom's favorite verses. And so it's something that, that I learned from a very young age, and probably if you grew up in church, you have learned these verses as well. Solomon says in In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is a whole other message for a whole other night. But this is what frames the type of wisdom that Solomon wants us to understand. 
It's, it's not just head knowledge. It's a heart knowledge. It's a relationship with God. And it comes out in the way that we live our lives and we seek God's help to apply the scriptures to our lives. Wisdom alone, human wisdom, won't bring us meaning or satisfaction. Only applying the wisdom of God and seeking him will do that. And in that, we can live a life that's fulfilled in him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us here tonight to study it. Thank you for, uh, once again, for the things of Solomon. We admit that some of these things are, are hard for us to hear. They, are, uh, they, they, they put a check a little bit in our hearts and lives because we wonder if perhaps we have uh, fallen prey to some of these things. We have seen that it's important and imperative to live in a wise way, and so we have sought to make every decision possible to give ourselves the, and, and the ones we love the best life we possibly can, but we have thought nothing about you. And Lord, we pray that you would convict us of these things, that you would help us to use your wisdom, making wise choices here in our temporal lives, yes, but the, those which will help us to fear God and keep his commandments fulfilling the whole duty of man, living for you, your glory and your honor. May we be amazed at what you can and will do in and through our hearts and lives in these things. We pray this week as we go from this place that we would live for the glory of God. We would share uh, your message of hope and salvation with others and that you would bring us back again to worship you. In your name we pray, amen.